Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by. Hi, everyone. It's Isabel. And this is Agnes. So, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about sexism in Japan and anime and the anime community. I know this is a very hot, contentious topic with、uh, many disagreements、uh, amongst people within the fandom itself as well as outside the fandom, but I do think it is important to discuss. So, to start off the episode, I'm going to give you guys some cultural context in regards to where sexism stands in Japan. Japan is a very highly patriarchal society, and I don't think many people realize that fact. So,、um, there is an actual gender equality index that is assessed every year by、uh, anthropologists and other people who study cultures across the world to、uh, decide you know, which countries have the most gender equal societies and which ones don't. And a one is a perfectly gender equal society. Japan has always, always consecutively scored very, very low on that gender equality index amongst technologically developed、uh, countries. And so、um, Japan scores around the point sixes. On average, technically、uh, developed countries tend to score around point seven five, with some of the countries in Europe going all the way in the high 80s. Or 80%. And so、uh, for Japan to consecutively always score in the low 60s is a pretty good indicator of how patriarchal that their society is in comparison to other people who are sort of along their lines of economy as well as technological development. To give some examples about the patriarchal society in Japan, and、uh, before anyone、uh, points fingers and starts accusing me of saying that I'm not Japanese and I don't really have a right to talk about this, I do have a roommate who is Japanese and I get a lot of information from her. And I've also taken anthropology classes, which is the actual、uh, study of cultures, where we, one of the classes I took was talking about gender equality across countries. And so, and Japan was very specifically covered for their unique circumstance of being very low on the gender equality index. So, for example, one of the biggest things that's always stuck out to me is that more than 10 years ago, the European Union has requested all its countries involved to. Put in sexual harassment laws for the workplace, essentially making it illegal to sexually harass in the workplace. And by that point in time, most of the countries around the world, whether it is in the US and Canada or whether it is countries within the European Union itself, had already implemented those laws. Japan has not. And when the European Union actually requested or asked Japan to, Add in sexual harassment laws into their workplace rules for, you know, for termination and such. Japan actually told them no. And it wasn't until 2020,、um, I think it was around June, that Japan has finally put in sexual harassment laws for the workplace. So, up until from the day we were born up until literally last year, You can sexually harass a woman in the workplace and essentially get away with it with no issues at all because it's considered completely legal. And so that's just one example of the many things that Japan sort of has as a society. 
Another one is, I don't know if you two have heard about this, but it wasn't until two years ago that colleges were purposefully lowering student scores or female student scores who are trying to get into med school because they think men are more suited to become doctors. And by purposefully lowering the women's scores, they would admit more men. Like, I I don't like that was a big thing, but I don't know if you two have heard about it at all. I've never heard of that case before, mostly because I don't read up on Japanese news. But I think it's absolutely infuriating because one of the first female doctors was actually Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually studied in America with two other very famous female doctors at the time of different ethnicities as well. So the fact that Japan purposely lowers its score for its female population so that they would never get into medical school, even though one of their first doctors was female, is absolutely baffling. Yeah, I think it was like 2018 when they finally changed it, but I could be wrong. It is like, it is very, very close in timeline to where we are today, like far too close for them to have to change that. And then, uh, and like I said, I've only given two examples, which is the, you know, the sexual harassment in the workplaces and like the med school, uh, the scores tampering. Another thing that happened in 2019 was a lot of people didn't hear about it because A lot of the outside of Japan anime community, they tend to think that Japan doesn't really have politics, you know, like they say feminism and this request for gender equality within anime community is made up in the West and it's not a thing in the East. Um, That is very, very false. In fact, in 2019, uh, Japanese women were actually protesting on the streets. And that was because there was a case uh, where a father had straight up raped his daughter and the judge exonerated him and said that the daughter was old enough to fight him off on her own. And so and that that spurred women to go on the streets to protest that because while not explicitly said in the definition itself, there is a cultural mindset that mindset in Japan that rape is only when women are physically pushing and shoving and screaming and biting and fighting back and the men still go uh, and the men still force themselves onto her. So if you are just genuinely terrified and you're telling him no, but you're not physically fighting back because you're scared and you're kind of frozen, which is a very human thing to happen when you're scared is you sometimes freeze. That in a lot of people's mind doesn't even count as rape in Japan. And so um, and so that was a big case that had women flooding the streets and no one knew. No one even talked about it. The only reason why I found out about it is because my roommate told me about it. And luckily, I'm um, part of this other uh, I'm part of this other group where there's a lot of uh, Asian-Americans slash Asians and a Japanese-American posted about it there as well to make people realize that was what was going on in Japan. And I could go on and on and on about plenty of other examples. Um, There's a great Twitter account called Unseen Japan, which talks a lot about the cultural um, issues that um, show up in Japan that people don't really talk about. Just recently tweeted how like there there are high school girls who literally get their underwear checked by grown adult teachers who are men because they need to make sure their underwear are somehow like within dress code and stuff like that. That's just, in my opinion, sexual harassment at this point, like no question about it. So, and it's apparently been going on for years and years and years. So for anyone who still wants to sort of debate and say that 
you know, gender equality is a made up issue, that Japan doesn't struggle with it, that people don't argue about it in Japan. They, I hope this gives you some context as in like how vast of a thing it is in Japan in comparison to other countries. Because I mean, I like at least I don't know about YouTube, but I don't even know a time when sexual harassment was legal in the U.S. Like because. I'm pretty sure from the day we were born, there were laws for already. And then it it took until 2020 for them to even put in laws. So um, I guess you do you guys want to share any of your thoughts before we continue on and how it before we kind of pivot into anime itself? (laughs) Yeah, just listening to that case, I feel like that was kind of ridiculous, like as, you know, young uh, school girls or, you know, students, they shouldn't be facing that really and we never ever I feel like I, we never really faced that in the U.S. right um mm-hmm. at most maybe it was like bullying or something but that's something that's more like a societal thing cultural thing and so I think it's crazy that Japan is still struggling with this and I feel like they need more protests or more you know laws in place um to really combat that so I'm glad it's changing now but it's also it also feels a little too late in terms of like you know in, in comparing um Japan to uh, the rest of the world, really. Mm-hmm. Right. Most definitely, yeah. yeah. I definitely feel that a lot of it has been pushed because of Western ideals and that Japan is slowly changing its laws. But Japan is also notorious for keeping secrets in general, mm. uh, regardless of what issue it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be historically related, culturally related, things like that. Japan is very good at not talking about the bad things of their culture. So that's why it seems that, oh, you know, they have done nothing wrong, they're innocent, and that they are the model society in uh, in the Asian context, which is completely false because every country has a dark history. Right. So, I'm not surprised that Japan did this, that they don't talk about it as often, especially with things like in regards to, like homicide and things like that too. You don't see it normally cropping up on Japanese news at all. Mm-hmm. And they, every, they keep every, every case that Japan does, unlike US and other Asian countries where they do publicize the individual and talk about them, Japan always puts their name as anonymous and their face is like blurred or censored out like they're very good at keeping it on the down low so um i don't know if you guys remember this at all but did you guys watch Life that anime i tried to read the manga before mm-hmm. but i ended up dropping it because i was just not interested anymore but okay. yeah i did read a bit of it so uh, spoilers here, but um, the main character, the reason why he ends up going into a slump is because his boss, or not really his boss, but his senior, uh, c- commits suicide in and at work. Um, that was actually a direct reference to the fact that sexual harassment was allowed because she was getting sexually harassed. Like, I don't know why the anime tried to pull it off as just like straight up bullying, because um, from my understanding, at the very least, based on what I've read, is that the manga has or the author has made it pretty clear that it was sexual harassment. And um, and she was getting sexual harassed at work. And when the main character tried to talk to the men to get them to stop, they only like they only made it worse and she committed suicide and um there is the scene where he finally quits he quits because the the boss of the entire company was like you know like remember life is short and like you have a lot to live for and la 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 and completely blowing like just blowing over the fact that the reason 
of what led to it in the first place is largely probably because of the sexual harassment she was forced to take during work hours. And um, and it's just like it puts it in a new perspective when you remember like this anime, this anime came out when um, when there was no sexual harassment laws in the workplace yet. So basically what those men did was they got away with sexually harassing a woman and to the point where she committed suicide and didn't even get a slap on the wrist for it. So, yeah, I even forgot that was the reason why I do remember, like you said, because I did read the web web novel not web mm-hmm. novel like the webtoon i guess because it's like mm-hmm. colored um but yeah that, even that was like i felt like it was very short too um but the but, but i do like the way how it impacted the main character and how he wanted to get out of that so it was also kind of um i guess it was different in the anime so they didn't really um focus on that in anime at all or just kind of like brushed it off compared to like the actual source material so they so they changed it to where it wasn't sexual harassment. It was just straight up bullying. Bullying instead. Oh, I see. Yeah. Mm. Um, not that that makes it any less okay for that to happen in a workplace in the first place, but um, they did change it, unfortunately. That's like piling issue after issue on top of each other and it doesn't resolve anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, that is the sort of cultural context that we want to give, and this is why we think it is important to discuss how anime can perpetuate uh, sexism that the Japanese society does very much reflect culturally. Um, We have three anime lined up to discuss today. Um, Our first one is actually one we've made some private episodes over. Not private, but like specific episodes over. The first one is Rent a Girlfriend, which unfortunately a lot of people really, really liked and really enjoyed and liked enough to get it nominated for our Anime of the Year award this year. Did any of you two watch it? Um, I only watched like two episodes. I couldn't really get into it. So I know a little bit, but not enough, obviously. I've heard way too many bad comments in general from you and from other people in our anime trending team. So I didn't touch with it with a 10 foot pole. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing that I touched, the only reason why I touched it was to get screenshots for for our Christmas listicle. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, that chaotic day or night, I guess. Okay, well, unfortunately, I decided to watch it from beginning to end. I won't be a dead horse already because we've made in like two entire episodes dedicated as to like what the problem is with the source material. But I think the general line is that this anime is telling a story about how a girlfriend will make you a better person. Let's mm, talk about that. <laughs> that's a hot take. That's a really hot take. <laughs> What's your hot take, Agnes? <laughs> My hot take is just relationships aren't always perfect, regardless if you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or your sexual relationship. Uh, or, uh, sorry, um, not sexual relationship, regardless of like what sexual orientation you are. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's constantly using her as a means to say like i have a girlfriend but really they have no connection to one another is really really delusional mm-hmm. but that's my hot take that's it <laughs> i have nothing else to contribute to I the mean, show okay, okay, but it's like this one this one's interesting because 
there are a lot of things in anime that I could almost say it is more inherent in Japan. So, for example, um, using perverted characters as, you know, comic relief when they're straight up, you know, sexually harassing girls um like that would never fly in western media whatsoever you know like the guy who casually lifts up the girl's skirt to see like her underwear and it's considered yeah it's considered a joke but like i said like that happening in the u.s at the very least would never happen like that would not be okay so like that i kind of think of is more um really or, or you can say it's more related to um you know, the sexual harassment problems in Japan. Um, and it's overall, like, sort of brushing it off sort of thing. But um, rent a girlfriend saying, like, girlfriends will, having a girlfriend will essentially fix you and make you a better person is actually kind of more universal across countries. I know that the U.S. has only just recently started to speak up more against that idea and that sort of storylines. But, yeah, basically, like, Kazuya in the anime himself is just, like, I feel like if I have a girlfriend, then it makes me want to be a better person. In which I'm, like, don't you want to just be a better person for yourself? Like, is that so hard to understand or ask for? I mean, at least for me, like, I'm always striving, trying to be better on my own because, like, saying that you only want to be a better person because you have a girlfriend, it just seems very shallow, in my opinion. And it's sad that this is kind of consistent across the world. At, at least that's my thoughts on the matter. I think that's so a good point. Because um, I was just thinking about it as you were saying how having a girlfriend doesn't necessarily mean it makes you a better person. But it seems like there's this cult or this worldwide belief uh, that kind of goes hand in hand, I guess, that being married will make you a better person. Mm. Um, so I wonder if the having like a boyfriend girlfriend idea also bleeds into that same line of thinking because it's somebody who directly impacts you, potentially somebody who can call you out on your faults, or somebody who provides a different perspective that allows you to change for the better or worse is debatable. Um, but it seems like it's a just a false perception when it comes when it's on the level of boyfriend and girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's my question for you guys, because one of the uh, one, another big shining problem with Rent a Girlfriend is that it's not just Kazuya, the main character, who sort of perpetuates this myth that having a girlfriend will automatically make your life better. Chizuru, the main girl, perpetuates that myth as well. Like she herself says to guys that she goes on fake dates with. And says, like, I'm just here to be a substitute until you find a real one that will inspire you to become better. And, like, you know, make you a better person and make you want to walk forward in life and stuff like that. Why do you think, um, and I don't think this is just privy to that sort of story. I think there's a lot of stories where female characters sort of perpetuate this myth. And in real life, a lot of women who might sincerely believe, like, you know, me being his girlfriend, I can fix him. I can be the one who like changes his whole worldview and stuff like that and make him a better person. Like, why do you think uh, women do that as well? Even though it comes at their detriment in all honesty. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard to say a lot of some relationships are like that, or a lot of girls think of like that, like you said, how they can change a person. It can go for the guy as well. They can change a girl, but not so much, but it's more like they change for themselves maybe, or, 
yeah, but I'm not too sure why that happens. More like I feel like it's more like a self-validation thing where you kind of get your own self-esteem, like, oh, I can change this person. Um, I can influence them. And then, like you said, if the guy has the girlfriend, he can I feel like it's also like an image thing where, you know, in front of his friends, even I feel like in the first episode oh. I saw his friends were like, oh, is that your girlfriend or right or something? And so they're really interested in it. And they feel like if you have a girlfriend, it's a, like a validation, like you've won something in life, maybe. Um, mm, which is I why see. things like, you know, trophy wives are a thing. That's so. an interesting thought. Whoa, that's deep. I was like, <laughs> I was like, huh, this is a good question. Yeah. I think for me, it was more of like, because Chizuru is in that line of work as rent a girlfriend. What was I going to go with this? I already lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So like the idea that that girl, I guess like in rent, the, the concept of rent a girlfriend, do you think like Chizuru feels like, an aspect of mater- of like maternity like kind of like bloomed inside of her while she's helping these poor sods get a girlfriend question mark cuz that like that leads into the the whole main issue of like why do girls feel like they need to like take care of the guy you know especially you see a lot in like teen angst stories like romantic like twilight <laughs> as we referenced in many many episodes and moons ago um but the idea that I can take care of him. I know how to fix him. And therefore, he'll be a better person. I can't really say if Chizuru had some sort of maternity feel towards okay. the guy. I mean, I mean, granted, Chizuru is an interesting character. Because on one hand, she could have been well-written. But on the other hand, it's like they put such a mishmash of ideas into her that you don't really know where she stands anymore. At the beginning, she was interesting because it seemed like... All she was here for was to earn some extra money and to get some training because she wants to become an actress. And so obviously by having to sort of adopt different personalities for like the girlfriends that best match these guys renting her, she's getting practice for it while getting some money on the side. So when it started off like that, she was an interesting character because it seemed like she was just really here to help herself and make herself grow. But then as the anime continued, it sort of devolved into her becoming concerned about the well-being of the guy and and it sort of made her very flat and like sort of like the perfect girl sort of thing. And that's another thing like I want to talk about is um Medi um I wish uh, we maybe we should have gotten him as a guest uh, as a guest member today. <laughs> but <laughs> Medi specifically says that he does not like Chizuru at all because she is so perfected to be, like, the perfect girl for everyone to like that she's, like, a porcelain doll, essentially. And, but, but it's, like, the fandom loves her. Like, even people who don't really feel too big about Rent-A-Girlfriend still loves Chizuru. Like, what do you think that says about, um, sort of, pe- like, the community as a whole when they do something like that? I think it's possibly because she like perpetuates positive all the positive female stereotypes probably like she's really pretty lovely and like um you know she'll pretty much do what Kazuya asks as a rental girlfriend probably maybe mm-hmm. and she's also very uh, vibrant I would say as well mm-hmm. so she's like the perfect girl in a sense for maybe uh, people who've been watching the show is like that's the kind of girlfriend that I want she's like perfect there's no flaws to her she's she's not like um, depressed or anything she doesn't have those types of um, things and she doesn't talk about that stuff or something maybe 
Um, I'm pretty sure there might be an arc where she's there might be like dark past or something, but even that, I feel like Chizuru doesn't seem like she would be that type. She would be very happy or, you know, smiling all the time when you see her or something. Mm-hmm. That's kind of irritating. irritating. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of irritating. Um, just because it reminds me very much of like the uwu e gamer girl mentality. Oh. They're always like very positive, very ganky, but it's not genuine. Mm. And mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I it doesn't sit right. <laughs> it's like I I sort of wonder if like the fans even realize how sexist her character is by making her so perfect without any sort of flaws you know like even her supposed flaws like she's a workaholic can sort of like you know like you know you're a workaholic but that's always sort of put in a more positive light of a flaw you know what i mean like (laughs) right because like even though she likes the work she does her work because you know she wants to be better and it's like put in a positive light rather than a bad light where she's like you know tiring herself out or something maybe Mm -hmm. interesting but yeah so that's rent a girlfriend so that's one that like perpetuates some big sort of uh red sirens at least for me but clearly you two didn't watch it and you two definitely should not watch it so (laughs) (laughs) um okay so the second one is uh how to pick up girls in a dungeon I don't think any of you two have seen this one. Very little of it. Yeah, I have not. I saw pictures and I was like, this is probably not the show for me. (laughs) I thought it was going to be a better version of SAO or Log Horizon when it came out because it was during that MMO period. Mm. (laughs) And I I think I was a little bit disappointed in the first like three episodes. (laughs) So you dropped that fast. (laughs) I dropped it fast for completely different reasons that was not related to like the girls featured in that series. I was just I just dropped it because there's no mechanics. Wait, so, wait. So what was it? So what was the reason why you dropped it? Then was it just like you thought the story was boring, or yeah, I didn't really find. I thought, like I said, I thought it was going to be kind of like an MMO type of like fantasy genre thing mm-hmm. because it, was, it came out during the hype of Sao and Log Horizon and many other shows that were trying to emulate that jump into a virtual fantasy reality, but. How to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon fell really, really flat the first couple episodes, and I was very disinterested by the end of it. Okay, so um, I have to ask, what yeah. do you think of Hestia? <laughs> She's pure fan service. I mean, there was so much fan service of her with the, the little blue string mm-hmm. tucked underneath your boobs, mm-hmm. somehow elevating your boobs like a bra and, like, toting you around. Um... I remember that being like a super huge fad when people were trying to cosplay as her. And I'm thinking, sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, those things aren't like wire, right? They're not going to support you, but okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other thing was that I, all I just, the other thing I just remembered was like the, the cute toothbrush scene that they did where they brush their teeth together. Yes, I thought that yes. was kind of cute. Yes, that was uh, a but cute. But then afterwards, <laughs> that was about it. Like, I didn't really hear much about how to pick up girls in a dungeon afterwards, other than maybe like, later arcs where it gets more intense where they do like memes of it Mm -hmm. but otherwise like it's it's eh it's all right (laughs) (laughs) okay well okay so i watched it up until the third season i did not watch the most recent season and i think it was because the third season's arc actually kind of like it made me angry because or okay that's wrong it did not make me angry but it sort of made me roll my eyes that i can't 
roll my eyes anymore at this point. So basically, the third arc was this fight between two goddesses. And to be fair, both of the goddesses represent goddess of beauty. One is Freya from, you know, um, from the Vikings sort of mythology. And then another one was a goddess. I don't remember her name, but she she comes from Indian mythology. And so um, but the whole baseline of the story is that one goddess was slighted by Freya because Freya claims she's more beautiful than her and thus she can like control more people and is more powerful. And because Freya is for whatever mysterious reason interested in Belle, the main character, because everyone's interested in him for some odd reason that we don't know why. The female, the other goddess decides to like kidnap him. And there's like this other young girl who was like about to get sacrificed and stuff like that. And um, in order for her to get more power so she can fight over fight with Freya sort of thing. And keep in mind, this all comes from an underlying theme of one was slighted because the other one claimed she was more beautiful. Now, I know on the other side of the coin, you can say that this is a real thing. For example, um, in Greek mythology, uh, Aphrodite, Athena, and Hera definitely like started a whole war, war in their mythology because of the fact they were trying to decide who was more beautiful. And so, but it just still felt so cheap and such shallow um uh, such a shallow view of why like women might fight with each other that would cause almost an entire war and and also once again like this isn't with the greek goddesses this is like with two different goddesses from two different um two different parts of the world and so um and like this whole fight was about that and it was like oh and they can control these men because they're so beautiful and like you know how dare you insult the fact that I I might not be as beautiful as you sort of thing like it's just it feels so overdone in regards to conflicts between women or at least female characters and so I am sort of curious on what you guys think of that as a plot line in regards to this anime <laughs> Yeah, I find that pretty shallow. Or so it's basically goddesses fighting over or fighting over their beauty or whoever is more beautiful and they control men off of that. Yeah, or the men are kind of like idolizing it's, it's them. Like, okay, so it's Why like do I Freya... hear like the question mark in Isabel's voice as she's trying to like understand I'm, yeah, I'm the plot? To, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I really actually don't understand why. What? It's it's literally just Freya insulted the other female goddess because Freya thinks she's more beautiful and the other female goddess is slighted. So she's got to beat Freya and like show how beautiful she is. And the only way to do that is to uh, sacrifice this other female character who also has a crush on Belle. Um, to sacrifice this other female character to gain this sort of power so she can kidnap Belle and take him for her own because Freya is interested in Belle. Yeah, that that's the whole conflict. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, I'm doing the, the 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 blinking meme, the one that was circulated on the internet a while ago as I try to understand this as well. Um first of all, I feel like that plot is super convoluted because you could literally say that to any god or goddess of their respective like trait. 
mm-hmm. right? Of the respective thing that they, yeah, you could pit the god of war, Ares, against another god of war from like India, and it, it would have the same result. Like, I don't know why they had to pick two beautiful women. I guess, I mean, the title is How to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon, should be evident of that, but <laughs> it's. It's kind of too painfully obvious that you pit two goddesses of love rather than like two goddesses of wisdom because you you have a lot of those in mythology over like your puny little MC character and then they have to do like all these drastic things to like get him. That's and they're goddesses like really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but also my bigger thing is like how many times have we seen this sort of like girl is jealous of another girl's beauty and so she literally tries to like start a war or sabotage for it which i'm like this doesn't really happen in real life like i'm like i i promise you like if a girl finds another girl to be beautiful they're gonna have self-esteem issues but they're not gonna try to bring them down in some kind of cultural war or something like that and this isn't just in like how to pick up girls in a dungeon like I can't I can't think of it off the top of my head right now, but I'm certain there are hundreds of shoujo stories out there where where like the the antagonist girl gets jealous of the protagonist girl because she thinks the protagonist girl is more beautiful is getting like the attention of the guy. And so she tries to bully her and like turn the class against her. Like, you know what I'm saying, right? (laughs) Yeah, the really petty little uh love triangle that appears every now and then in the shoujo genre yes exactly and i'm just like and i'm always like this like this is so unrealistic like i don't know about you but at least certainly when i was growing up from elementary school all the way to high school through college i just dated myself but through college like that does not happen (laughs) like i'm sorry but women don't actually fight literally fight and start bullying each other over the fact that one might think the other one is more beautiful, but <laughs> no, yeah, I find uh, that kind of ridiculous and obviously unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the only like real life interpretation I would get from that is like girls trying to fight, like you know, like really petty high school girls. Not so much like working women or like people who are much older, but girls who are like really petty because the other girl is wearing the same kind of clothing that she is or like the same brand yeah because i've seen girls fight about that and it's not pretty (laughs) (laughs) um and then high school girls getting really petty that one got their respective boyfriends getting interested in the other girl and that's about it but it's pretty juvenile to see it laid out with like two very esteemed goddesses of their respective mythology do that let alone not from the same universe They could have chosen for women to fight over because by the way women do fight each other a lot over but it's i don't know why anime and stories like to focus on jealous over beauty and popularity like why don't they focus on other things that tend to happen for example whether it is certain whether it's just that, um, whether it's just another girl has lower self-esteem because her friend is being toxic and she doesn't know it, you know, like that just becomes a lot more com- complex than just cat fights and petty fights over beauty and like who gets the guy, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that would definitely be more realistic and um, would be definitely deeper than um, the story that you have there. But it's just like, why Why do they, th- it's almost like they think this is the only reason why women fight. Why do they think that? <laughs> do you think it's because women don't talk about it enough? Mm, 
I don't know. Because it's more, it's more of the fact like it's surf- so surface level that everybody who sees it says like, oh, that's so apparent that they're all fighting because it's a beauty and a love thing versus like an actual woman confiding into another person saying like, hey, you know, I actually feel like really insecure or I think like, hey, you know, this is a really toxic person that I don't think you should get close to kind of thing. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know if it's more of like a lack of experience of actual women coming out and talking about why they have certain spats with other women or vi- or in any general case. Mm-hmm. Then maybe I can change it around and uh, not maybe not change it around, but do you think it's also this can also stem from the fact that not enough women are allowed to write about their own experiences? Because keep in mind, a lot of these sort of like a lot of these sort of petty sort of stories that come out between women versus women tend to be written by men. In terms of like anime and manga? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would agree. I would be more inclined to agree because most female mangakas that I've read their works for, they never focus on any of that. Even if there was a rivalry between the two female leads or or any or something similar of the sort, they would never spotlight it as a means of jealousy. Mm, I see. <laughs> yeah. That's just based on my own like preferred readings and things like that. Not to say that all female mangakas are more inclined to do this versus male mangakas, by the way. Right. And also, you know, like we pointed out with the last anime, oh, sometimes, you know, sometimes women also perpetuate these problems as well. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at all the shoujo manga that gets churned out every single year. That is very true. And they have a lot of problematic elements in there. Sometimes they don't. Obviously, some of them are great, but... Um, Others, you know, there's problematic elements that you're just kind of like, why, why would you write that? Like, why? <laughs> um, where do you, so I guess, like, where do you think this fascination between, like, beauty being a thing that female characters fight over came from, would you say? Mythology? Question mark? I mean, we've already stated that, you know, the whole Greek mythology of Hera versus Athena versus Aphrodite was like a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And considering that Western notions, whether it's mythology or science or whatever, had a fairly large impact on the Eastern Asian hemisphere. So I imagine like it kind of takes root mm-hmm. almost. Okay. Uh, another thing I should mention is like beauty is also a very highly prized thing in Japanese mythos as well. It, more in regards to like sh- uh, Shintoism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if anything stemmed from there as well. A lot of the gods and, and goddesses in Japanese mythos were fairly jealous of each other in general, very much like the Greek gods. So I feel like there's some parallel in that, perhaps. Oh, that's interesting. Basically, this is like, like we can trace that all the way to ancient societies and be like, this is where the problem starts. I mean, it's, I mean, a lot of mythology stem from the fact that they're, they're taking like real life inspirations and just placing it onto gods who really don't care about the human race mm-hmm. and kind of painting them satirically. I mean, that's what they did with Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made, they all the, all the Greeks knew that the, uh, the Greek gods had a, a multitude of problems. But who's to say it's not entertaining, right? Yes. <laughs> who's to say, like, that's not how the world <laughs> was created. My favorite Greek mythology version was the one where Hera got herself pregnant, but with by a head of cabbage. I'm not quite sure what they were smoking at the time to think that yeah. a head of cabbage can get Hera pregnant, but... <laughs> I thought it was really funny. So, <laughs> um, yeah. 
That's pretty silly. I think yeah, I don't also... know. Maybe it's just cultural things. Yeah, sorry, Isabel, go ahead. No, yeah, cultural. And then also, like, beauty has been passed down for so long. I feel like if you say the word beauty itself, or if you see a store named beauty, you automatically assume it's for girls or mm, for women. That's a good point. Oh. That's, so, like, that's a good point. Normally wouldn't see guys getting or going anywhere close to that. And I think that's just the other thing. I feel like it's definitely... Um, a female type thing which is why mm-hmm. it's easy to understand and it's easy to get behind maybe that's a really good oh, point that's a good point yeah I never thought about it like that well I'm sorry to disappoint but I've never as felt interested in that because I'm the girl who would rather sleep in rather than have to do her makeup <laughs> so, <laughs> not saying that girls shouldn't do their makeup if you guys want to do your makeup please feel free to do so I'm just too lazy to do so and I'd rather sleep in bed for the extra over not the extra hour but like the extra 30 minutes or so <laughs> um <clears throat> all right so that's our second one we've got one more which is Darlie in the Franks I did not watch that one so one of you to take it away like what was your issue with oh, it man. and <laughs> I mean, sounds ready okay <laughs> oh it's a hot take I mean I watched a good chunk of Darlie in the Franks Hoping it would do something right, but so what did it do wrong? Did it do anything? Everything. Right? Everything wrong. <laughs> I mean, for one, it's just a big fan service for a guy next wants to go to space, but um, it was a very weirdly convoluted plot of needing human repopulation, but sexually objectifying it by having females be co-pilots to male pilots. And having them in very sexual positions. And they use, and a lot of the terminology that they use for their space mecha is directly respond, is directly related to, uh, sexual, sexual organs of the human body. So. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, they reference things like the, the, or not, not, not human sexual organs, plant sexual or- organs, cause you know, you can't use the word penis on, on the broadcast. Right. <laughs> but you'll probably use things like stamen and piston. <gasps> For a flower. Well, yeah, I, girls, I, I didn't think they were going to be that on the nose about it. What the they heck? were really on the nose. They were really on the nose. Gydex didn't care. And I, I, I remember seeing screenshots of people laughing about like the positions of the girls because they're like leaned over or something like that. Like, wait, so oh yeah, so it was just a huge metaphor about like making babies is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah because like the i think that the premise of the story is basically like a lot of the children who were recruited into this war effort against like the klaxosaurs who are like aliens from outside are all children from a dying race essentially they actually are. so they needed to yeah. like watch and make sure like all the children were like compatible with each other in order to power their uh sexually derived mechas in order to fight against the aliens question mark oh yeah. and so these children are raised like if you think about like promise neverland where they're kind of like, raised in, on a farm type thing so these kids are raised in um pretty much I- isolation they don't know anything about yeah. the outside world and then yeah. that's kind of why the, the sh- basically shows like a kind of um having these teenagers explore uh, teenage sexuality and puberty it was weird and- but it was like oh yeah i found a book about marriages it was like what's marriage <laughs> Yeah, what's marriage? What's a baby? And stuff like that. So they're trying to find these things. And then I think my favorite one was also like kissing. They're like having two plantations. They like have to basically exchange, you know, energy or um, whatever the magma thing that they use. 
and they call it kissing. And then all the kids are like, what is kissing? So, you know, they have a lot of questions about that. I thought it was interesting. What is this fake metaphor. contrived plot of kissing? This is so... <laughs> oh, this is too much. This is way too much. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Um... Because I think at the end of the anime, wasn't all of them knocked up and they all had a bunch of kids? So, yeah. So, like, they all, I think, like, they all had, like, a, a gene mutation or something where they don't usually age. But somehow, like, they managed to revert themselves back to the original adult cycle. So they were able to all, like, grow up and have babies. What was the point of keeping them at children's age then? If this was- I, je ne sais pas. I don't actually know. Yeah, I think it had to do with like the the way that they had to pilot the mechas or the the yeah. friends. Yeah, uh, they so they had to be they children. Required mm-hmm. children to pilot mechas in sexually compromised positions. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's Isn't pretty much this, it. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, and and let's also let's also give another notion that. The way that they're positioned to is kind of hilarious because all the males just do. So, like, the females have, like, if you look at all the images, like, all the males are wearing, like, typical, you know, sci-fi suits, right? Right. And then the females have, like, this massive hood-like thing in the back of their head. And when they connect to their mecha, you know, they lean over. And then if you notice, the position of where their hood is is actually where, like, um, like kind of like the dashboard of how the mecha, how the, of all the mechas like gauges and stuff are located and their hips have like these weirdly weird handles where the males just grasp onto it and they just basically steer them (laughs) (laughs) Um, i would say that's like a direct kind of object objectifying pretty much yeah totally Uh, because they're like running they're they and then they turn into the mecha themselves and then not only that um like the girl, the guys always have to lead. The girls can't drive anything by themselves. Zip, granted, yeah. zero two is kind of like the highlight where she can do it herself, and she kind of kills the guys um, that are her yeah, partner. Yeah, but she's quote unquote special, you yeah. know. Like I mean, like the two the two girls that were hinted to be like the lesbian couple of the series that didn't really happen. They tried the mecha and they failed. So it even puts it into a more sexist position that no females could pilot. Hmm. I think wow. uh, I don't know how far you got, but then there was there was another team that Zero Two was on. They were like kind of like a special team, where oh yeah, the A team, right? Yeah, the A team, where the guys were able to actually kind of be like in the female position, but they like barely showed that. And I was like, we could go more about this. This this is is the difference, you know, like showing you know different types of pairs. But no, they like brushed over that and they didn't continue with that. I was I was like surprised. Yeah, they died pretty early too. Mm -hmm. Now that I think about it, yeah, they were like just mini antagonists. Which is pretty boring, honestly. Okay, so where where do we start from? This? Um, Gynex didn't care, and they threw in a lot of really sexist kind of jokes, or just sex sexual jokes in general. I guess to draw in their audience and make them have like a laugh, but also it kind of shows like how much fame and garner this show has on sexual references alone. You know, like the fact that there's so many people that have watched it and may have enjoyed it or watched it as a dumpster fire instead of like written it off as, oh, this was such a terrible series. Okay, I have a question. So the second half of the anime was considerably less well received than the first half. Which half was it that has the much more problematic elements, like the steering and the like, yeah. 
probably season one, I would say, right? Because that's when it's first introduced. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the introduction. Uh, when I was watching myself, I was like, oh, oh, I thought I got pretty far in the anime, but I actually didn't. I literally dropped it at episode two because of <laughs> how over-sexualized everything was and I couldn't handle it. And then when I came back to it, I realized how far I actually got. But yeah, I would say in the beginning part where I feel like just wrapping your head around the, the concept was kind of difficult for me at least yeah the second season i guess like it only failed because of plot and bad writing in general uh, it was, it's like basically watching star wars rebels and not understanding where the plot is actually going okay so basically all the stuff that you guys were talking about was was introduced in the in the first half and it was very widely accepted and then um the second half they only got less of a reception because the actual like plot started to derail yeah yeah i would say so uh, especially yeah I, I feel like this is a trigger thing where they kind of go out into space and save the world mm-hmm. type thing so when 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 they started going out of their the world that was already built that they the world building within the first season and the second season they go outside of that world beyond earth into space and everything galaxy everything that's where it kind of went hey are <laughs> Okay, so that's not good. <laughs> that that all the problematic things you just said was the part that people really, really accepted and voted quite a bit on our charts. Now that I'm aware, <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, there's a lot to break down, darling, Franks. But I definitely think it's definitely uh, one of the shows where they they do pr- have. Uh, like sexist ideas and where males always have to lead the females is also I feel like the, also the very, very like, idea that like mm-hmm. the hips are sort of like the steering wheel is yeah. very very it's not funny <laughs> if it was meant to be funny it's not funny so oh I just laughed I'm sorry huh <laughs> I just laughed I'm sorry no, no, I, mean, I, I think I laughed at the absurdity of it of I, how I they know, managed I to know, get away with like, it but you're laughing out of like yeah like you said you're laughing out sort of out of exasperation the absurdity of it i'm just saying if people like genuinely thought that was funny it's it's not funny i guess at least in my eyes uh do you think this is sort of what japan has been trying to do to push more women to marry and to have kids like do you think it's related to that i think it's definitely related culturally where the um Kind of like the girl is supposed to be the subordinate and being mm. like in the sense of being, you know, piloting stuff like that. So like they're very, they're supposed to be submissive to the male lead is kind of, which I see a lot in Japanese culture too, right? Where the female is supposed to, you know, technically, you know, be a caretaker, take care of the household and everything. Although they're trying to get away from that now, right? Where most of the women right. are trying to oh, right. do more so in the workforce than they're married. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I have an interesting tidbit. Um, so I don't know if you guys know her, Raina Scully from uh, YouTube, but she's, uh, I think she's Japanese-American. Um, but, uh, she, but she's definitely Japanese. Um, <laughs> she made a video where she talked about how in Japan, it's actually like you're looked down upon as a guy if you marry a woman who's more successful than you. And there's sort of this like unspoken cultural rule that you should only marry women who are less successful than you. So for example, if there are two, there's a guy and a girl who are both CEOs of a company, but because her, her company is more successful than his, 
he technically shouldn't marry her for that reason only. <laughs> oh, that's that's really convoluted. Yikes. Yeah. It's really sad to see that though. Uh that it's still so perpetuated in Japanese culture and governments. Cause like Japan used to not be like that during like the Meiji era. But somewhere in the Taisho era, everyone's just like, yeah, women should be housewives again and completely revert everything that they stood for. Do you know why? I'm now I'm curious. <laughs> so I don't I took my Japanese history class and they didn't really pinpoint a reason why. It could have been because they started having more shifts of conservatism in their government okay. after the Meiji Revolution. Um, and then they started putting up a lot of propaganda. You can actually find prints of this online too. Because my professor showed me. Uh, but there are a lot of prints that were advertised directly to women in magazines to be stay-home like women. Mm. And a lot of the images had women like sitting on the porch. They're like sewing something or like they're child rearing. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of government influence that really pushes women to stay at home and be baby rearers. Even though Japan now is facing a totally different problem of not having enough population growth. And that's because... Japan has way too many laws of not allowing more diversity or allowing women to do as they please, I guess. Yes, no, that's exactly. Um, so what's so I don't know if you guys seen this recently, but like Japan's government is trying to develop an AI to like match couples together because they oh think, god, no way, because really? they think that's the, yes, they think that's the problem. The problem is because uh, young people don't like getting their hearts broken, and that's why people aren't getting married and they're not having kids. And so they're doing this AI that will automatically magically match you not magically because ai does have intelligence behind it but it's like that will match you to your perfect soulmate and that way you won't ever have to um you won't ever have to encounter heartbreak while completely ignoring the fact that hey maybe women are more willing to marry in the first place if you guys aren't sexist in the workplace and will hire women as equal opportunities because workplaces are less likely to hire married women because there's this presumption that when a married woman comes into the workplace, she's automatically going to quit eventually because she's going to have kids and take care of her kids. Like, like that alone would probably help with the willingness of women marrying people, you know, like... <laughs> Right, because then if they had more support for that, then they wouldn't be as, you know, they would be... They, they, wouldn't, ex they wouldn't experience as much pushback, right? Exactly. Yeah, right. you know, that's exactly it. And another... So, um, so actually, the anime man made a video about that, but apparently there was a, this poll on um, why people, women marry, and the number one reason right now in, in Japan on why women marry is not out of emotional attachment or love or a feeling of wanting to be with that person you know as your family it's literally because of money so i'm like that's a huge and i mean he pointed out like he was like you know i guess you don't want to marry out of love and so because the notion of it is crazy you know to not marry out of love but for it to be such a high percentage like that's clearly showing that women in japan aren't feeling emotional attachments towards guys um the only reason why they would want to marry is because it just brings in more income and so and it's just what i'm trying to say i guess is that clearly something is going very very wrong when in other places you know people marry out of love and not because mm -hmm. of income and so uh i don't know i always feel like 
I always, and this might be a controversial take, but I always feel like Japan finds the wrong answers to their problems. Oh no, they, they, they've always done that, especially with all their little loopholes and stuff. And I'm just sitting here like, why an AI out of all things is to tell you who your soulmate is? This feels like the red string theory that you see in really popular shoujo mangas, but mm-hmm. with a little robot says like, hey, 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 here's your next man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand how that works. You know, the AI just kind of like links your two threads together. <laughs> like, it's just like, so absurd. And, and it's like, I think of other things too. For example, like Japan has a huge bullying problem. Children who are willing to go to school has decreased drastically in Japan. And that's because bullying is such a big deal. And I don't know, maybe instead of like, for some reason, they think the solution to this is to have bullying rehab facilities for bullied victims out in the middle of nowhere. So they don't feel the pressure of society and like and culture instead of directly calling out the bullies for what they are and punishing them like it's just like i'm just like what how like where'd you where'd you come up with that like how like how'd you come up with that so um, that's a very interesting solution you're just isolating the victims really when you should really be teaching other things and how bullying should be stopped do you guys remember March comes in like a lion, like the girl, she, she, that's where she went. She went to a bullying victim facility to like essentially rehab. And even in the end, like, yeah, she got lectured the bully, but did they ever like full on make us like make a scene about it and be like, this is very, very, very wrong. Like I, like the teachers still didn't do that. And I'm just like, why? Like, why didn't you like, why? I don't get it. So, um, anyway, we got off topic. I'm sorry. That was on did. my end. That's okay. My bad. Um, okay. So with that being said, I think it doesn't come as much of a surprise that, um, sexism is unfortunately kind of prevalent in, um, in the anime community itself. And I want to ask, have any of you guys personally experienced a, a, a time where sexism sort of happened as uh, an, an otaku who you know as an otaku who's happens to be female like are you saying like within the anime community or within like real life not including our like otakuness um i would say oh well i guess like within the anime community for this i don't think i've ever been called out in that fashion before simply because i don't engage in those discussions right as much i think it's too much of a nuisance because at the end of the day if someone sees your profile picture or if they know that you're female from like voice or you said it somewhere like in a private chat, they will use it against you and weaponize it. Mm. So it feels like there's no point anyway. It, it sounds like very defeatist of me to say that, especially as somebody who does identify as female. But that is kind of the reality in the anime community because they will weaponize your gender against you, even though you are making clearly logical, you're making clearly logical um, reason. Yeah, I feel like the, the same way. I don't think I've actually had, you know, that type of experience, even if I'm going to conventions or anything. Maybe because I'm just too excited about all the things that are around me. And I think it's nice that we also <laughs> live in, like, the Western world where it's um, more accepted and people don't, you usually they don't uh, go, uh, you know, engage in full conversations about that. Or I'm definitely not on the forums, um, you know, um, discussing these types of things or mm-hmm. getting fingers pointed at. So. I haven't personally experienced that, thankfully. Um, but have you ever 
encountered that at all or uh maybe i haven't I haven't personally. Um, I could think of two reasons for that. One, I wasn't really engaged with the anime community for a long time, despite being an otaku for a long time. So that's number one. Um, and by the time I've joined the anime community, the community has become a lot more diverse, where mm-hmm. um, where women and men are both enjoying the same anime. It, it, it wasn't so stratified with shonen and men and like shoujo with women. And of course, obviously, okay. more LGBTQ people in the in the community itself. So, so yeah, I I joined when it had already gotten a lot more diverse. Um, second of all, I think a good reason on why I probably don't get confronted with sexism is my personality kind of fits that Genki girl type that kind of gets a pass on a lot of things. Remember how you sort of discussed or you touched on it briefly, Agnes, where you're you're saying like this, like with Chizuru being like Genki and. Um, always happy. I am naturally a really happy person. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, and that's always gotten me into less of a clash with certain people for just that sole reason alone. So that's, that's sort of like why I think I haven't really personally experienced it, but I have seen it online because I'm on Twitter and uh, this might be a bit of a controversial take, but do you guys remember after the very, very tragic incident with Kyoto Animation and the arson, the controversy that came out when news reports started to report about how Kyoto Animation um, hires a lot more women in an industry that is usually dominated by men? I definitely remember that incident, and I just think whoever published it, published it at a very, very poor time. Okay, so here's, okay, so here's my thing. I, I don't think adding that as a sentence is wrong, because that is essentially, like, because if they're gonna, they're taking the time to describe Kyoto Animation, and so they mention, you know, Kyoto Animation animated these animes that are very, very popular and well-beloved, and they mention and like you know they mention work life balance Kyoto animation is very um is very famous for its uh for its culture of taking care of its employees and um and not overworking them to the point of like no sleep and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, so the fact that they mention as part of its um part of its qualities of what makes Kyoto animation so unique is that they also marry uh, not marry sorry is that they also hire more women in a male dominated industry I don't think that was controversial in any shape or form because I think it's just a fact that Kyoto animation has that that maybe a lot of other animation studios didn't but clearly a lot of people didn't agree with that and it exploded online to this huge fight between mostly between men and women with uh, men saying like they're trying to add in politics into this tragic incident. And then on the flip side with women being like, you know, I don't think it's wrong for them to point out that they have these amazing qualities, which also includes, you know, noticing women and hiring women in a place that doesn't really prefer women. And so, um, and that was probably like the biggest sign to me personally of sort of the sexism that's still sort of prevalent because it's clear if you feel threatened by the fact that they're reporting a factual a factual statement that Kyoto Animation hires more women in a male dominated industry, there is there's clearly like you're clearly not feeling secure about that fact. That's sort of my take on it. Um, but please feel free to disagree with me on that. 
it's hard to say. It's a different, definitely different position. And like you said, there's like two sides to that. One, uh, it's, a, it's a fact and it's an interesting highlight. But then two, also bringing those politics into something tragic that happened. I feel like that, that was definitely a bad choice and really didn't help, I feel like, other than, you know, spur a lot of discussion online. Um, so so you, you do think it is political to to bring up that fact is how you see it. I think so. Definitely. Okay. And, and I kind of, so, so uh, I want to know why, because I didn't find it political at all. Just because once again, I thought that was just a particular unique attribute of the animation studio. Yeah. I just think it's political because mostly because they're bringing in, um, trying to bring in different arguments into that. And then also bringing in, I don't know how to say it, but more like, Yeah, I'm not too sure where I was going with that. Sorry. Um. <laughs> I guess like I could probably supplement and support Isabel in that sense because the timing of when that article re- was released is way too soon to the actual arson that happened. It literally happened like days right. right after the arson happened. Right. So I feel like because Kyoto Animation has made such a huge impact on people, regardless if you're male or female, mm-hmm. the point of a of the point of something so sensitive as Kyoto Animation hires more people than most animation studios would causes a lot of emotional flare-ups rather than something that is highly politically charged. So people start blaming it on politics rather than inspecting on their own feelings that they don't feel comfortable with the fact that Kyoto Animation has basically done two things. One, they've done great good by hiring more women, but two, they've had the unfortunate circumstances of being burned by an arson. Right. Um, so I think that's why a lot of people were like very emotionally charged and they blame it on the politics because it's an easier way of saying it rather than confronting their own fears of the fact that yes it's true kyoto animation did hire more women into the workforce the other thing like i did point out earlier and i just expanded out there without thinking before you went through with your actual interlude is that the timing is rather odd um i don't agree with people who have published it like right after the fact of the arson maybe like maybe couple weeks or a month later would have been more appropriate but it feels like just a bad pr press and that it becomes an evident push of like oh you just wanted to push a political agenda instead of mourning over the fact that kyoto animation has lost all of their work and potentially some of the best minds in the studio so um here's my question on the matter why but why is it considered political to point out the fact that yeah so like why is it considered political though like shouldn't shouldn't the fact that shouldn't gender not even be a political thing you know like that oh no you're completely you're completely correct yeah gender should not be a political thing but it's because so many you have it goes both sides right Mm -hmm. there's so many government institutions that decide to not push for it and push for more conservative means and then you have an equally more a quote-unquote radical group that continues to push for it and you just get so much noise on both sides that it becomes overwhelming and you say well it's political and you just leave it at that. You just leave it as a scapegoat term for something that you don't really want to deal with. Mm-hmm. So that's just my take, how a lot of people see like a, a lot of like the sexism as like a trigger word because it'll bring in two sides of the argument that they really don't want to deal with because it doesn't directly impact their lives. But in reality, it does because it's perpetuated in a lot of media and in all the anime that we see here. So uh, another question then, do you think... So you think that if it like this report was published, say, two weeks later or, you know, a month later about how Kyoto Animation 
hires more women in a male-dominated industry, you think the reaction would have been more accepting or do you think people would just care less? I think it would be more accepting just because, just purely based on the fact that people get really, really emotional during these tragic times Mm -hmm. and that it's never a good idea to burn the flames, whether it's truly correct or it's truly wrong. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to incite any more chaos in an already extremely chaotic situation of Kyoto Animation where many of the staff members were missing. Nobody knew if they were dead or alive at that point. So, so oh, I see. So basically, just, you're just yeah. saying that it it doesn't ultimately it doesn't really matter if it is a political statement or not. It's the fact that you know that that statement likely was going to be aggravating to certain groups of people, and thus it shouldn't have been said in a tragic moment. Yeah. It's like kind of like saying, uh, like, you know, you're going to, you know, someone's going to pass away, but you continue to exacerbate the the fact that that person's going to die kind of thing. You know, it really grates on people's nerves or something equally as frustrating, like let's say someone's dying in their deathbed. And the equivalent is like somebody saying like, well, in politics right now, it's kind of like, dude, no, don't, no, we're trying to focus on a specific topic here. I, I, I can see that because I, I, I know a real story about how, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately someone, uh, a friend of mine, his friend had committed suicide, his childhood friend, and obviously dealt with a lot of mental health issues. And during the funeral, one of his cousins uh, spent his speech talking about mental health and, uh, and how people need to pay more attention to it and support it more often. And I know for a fact that my friend and a lot of other people at the funeral felt really upset by his statement because it's like, even though what he's saying is true and should be talked about because it is a tragic thing at the very moment, it was more aggravating than it was sort of like reconciliation. Like, Yeah, it it feels less sincere Mm -hmm. at that moment, which is what... Most people would want to hear, most people will want to experience like more serenity and more like calming of themselves after such a tragic instant, uh, tragic moment. Right. Especially when they're all very emotional during that time. I think that's a great example of what, um, what we were talking about. And yeah, so like if, if he talked about mental, you know, um, mental health, maybe at a different time that would have been taken, you know, received much better. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think, I mean, granted, my friend didn't even disagree with him. Like, he was like, yeah, mental health mm-hmm. is a big thing, needs to be talked about. But he was like, not now. Like, we are literally right. at this funeral, not now. <laughs> so, um, oh, gosh, this was, this was a long episode. We discussed a lot. I, I'm going to close it off by one quick, simple thing, because I just learned about it today. So, um, Uzaki, uh, do you guys know the Uzaki-chan anime? I've heard of it and seen screenshots, yeah. Okay, uh, what about you, Isabel? Uh, not so much, not too much about it. Don't really okay, know. Okay, so it, it, there was a huge debate discussion on Twitter about the fact that the girl in there looks really, really young with, like, the big eyes and has humongous, hum- has humongous chest that looks very disproportionate to her body. And women were upset about it online and men were sort of, uh, you know, arguing back, saying, like, this is how Japan is, you know, um, you know, this is how it's always been, you know, sort of thing, like, keep your politics out of it. So addressing that, I 
want to debunk that myth because today I learned from uh, the Unseen Japan account that the controversy on Twitter actually started in Japan. Um, women were in Japan were very, very upset about the portrayal of her body in Uzaki-chan, and it carried over into the Western community. So for anyone who have who automatically tend to write off these sort of like sexism arguments that and discussions that happen in anime as something that the West made up and it's not Japanese related at all. This is a clear example of it being directly from Japan that shifted over. So um, so I just wanted to debunk that fact real quick. Whew, all right. We covered quite a bit of ground today. <laughs> How do you guys feel? <laughs> we definitely talked a lot. Um, I feel like we could have, like, there's just so many examples that we could have gone more. We could have de- dove into definitely more anime as well. So I think it was a good topic. We could possibly continue on that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, we shall see if we make a part two on this. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed the discussion we did have today, though. Um, and I hope you'll be with us next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.